Hello, and welcome to Casually Profound. I'm Lauren McLean, your host, and here to bring you conversations with friends about how we apply spiritual concepts into our everyday lives. Now, today's friend that we brought on was Topanka Kurlova. She is a dynamite. She was fabulous. Um, Shauna Lee also joins in this episode as a guest um, to talk. We came in with the intention of talking about creativity, kind of spurred off from one of the previous solo episodes that I had done um, about how the, what the creative spectrum is and how creativity helps us embody our whole selves. And Stepanka took us on the most fabulous detour into etymology and the meaning of words and how we think about words and how our emotional connections to words. And it was the most fucking fabulous conversation. Ooh, the whole thing is juiced. The whole conversation is juicy from the first minute. It's honestly so good. All of us come to the conversation, me, Shauna, and uh, Stepanka come to the conversation speaking English, but all of us know different languages outside of that. And so oh, it was just so cool. We talk about truth. We talk about how facts are created. We talk about the vibrations behind words. We talk about how um, the like different experiences that different language speakers have in the same scenario. It was just so fabulous. And then really at the end, Stepanka hits us with a fucking whammy about how reality creation plays into this and how when we choose to experience the world in a particular way and we choose the thoughts behind how we're experiencing the world around us, how that actually informs creation and creativity and like, it was just, it was just amazing. So thank you so much for joining this conversation today. And please don't forget to subscribe, like, and review this podcast on whatever platform you're listening to it on. It means the world to be able to reach more people and to have these conversations shown to people all over the world. So let's get into it. Let's get into this episode. Here is Stepanka and Shauna and myself talking about creativity and Uh, But what I was saying in that episode was that creativity um, so often is thought about in the terms of like this like flowy visual representation of like um, kind of a more linguistic and flowy and visual way of thinking that it's like this very soft skills um, way of approaching the world and that that's what art is thought of as and artists are thought of as. And then part of the realization that I was kind of bringing into being in that episode was that kind of, that is only one end of a spectrum and the other end of that spectrum is a very linear and analytical way of thinking um, that is very like kind of mind-based and so it's almost like a mind-heart connection on that spectrum but that the real important part of creativity exists in everything between and around that two points the two those two points in that spectrum because when you are able to fill up and use and play in that middle space and the field around those two points in the spectrum i keep imagining a magnetic field and it's sexy as fuck um like those two points are like two magnets and like the field around it um and so because when you're able to play in that that's really when when you're able to access all of those parts of the spectrum in the field is when you are able to embody your whole self and really the that's the point of creativity is to embody your whole self i think lots of people use creativity as a method of like self-expression um which i think is such a narrow 
way of experiencing creativity. It's like one point on that spectrum, but then that way of like embodying your whole self and, and coming into understanding communion with your whole self, I think is really the magic behind creativity that lots of people miss. And so I'm curious, Stepanka, what, uh, what your take was on that or what your takeaway from that was. Mm, oh my gosh. I had so many breakthrough moments just by listening to that episode and I feel like I almost like felt like I'm falling in love with you I'm like she gets <laughs> me like she can word everything I've been feeling all this time I feel like creativity is something I am so passionate about but I hardly ever come across people who like are on the same wavelength if that makes sense and yeah, yeah, yeah. I really see creativity as simply being alive and engaging with everything in your life. Like, I love the examples you gave in that episode, such as doing your makeup and just channeling your genius by, you know, creating, doing your own makeup, doing makeup for other people. And my journey was very similar in that in, in that way. I remember being called shallow or superficial for being interested in different colors, eyeshadows or jewelry. And I remember like being told at school, well, you're either really smart and academical, like you, you, you study at university or you are interested in those kind of things. And I couldn't really get my head around it. I always felt like those things work together. I loved like my, the thing I studied at university was linguistics. But when I first started the first university I studied at was linguistics. I studied German language, etymology of words. And I saw that as a creative process. And I, I just loved playing with words. I loved experimenting with what kind of feelings words bring up for us. And I felt like that is so connected to my other hobbies, such as arts and crafts and makeup and fashion and jewelry and literature and poetry. I felt like it's the same thing. And I, also always felt that sometimes I just see something or I hear something and it inspires me. And I don't know whether you remember this from the episode, but you said something so cool. You said that sometimes you had a book, like a book about, I can't remember what exact book that was, but you haven't actually read it. You just flicked through the pages and it was almost as if you downloaded <laughs> the codes mm -hmm. from that book. And I've had mm -hmm. those experiences in my life too. And it's not only the energy of the book, but maybe just the colors, the color palette. And I'm just able to just take it from that book right away without needing to study it in depth. And I feel that is definitely something that happens when we are in flow, when we don't overthink it. And yeah, I hope I'm making sense. I just get all passionate yeah. about it and I could speak about this for hours, but I... A short answer, I feel like creativity is simply being alive, noticing life around you, interacting with life, interacting with other people. And it's really about how you see life. So <laughs> entomology is Shauna's favorite thing in the fucking universe and oh uh, or one of them. And I also love it. I love it exactly the way you described it of like when you so Shauna loves like the backstory of words and I come at it more of like how has what what sensation 
has a word imprinted on people's bodies and like how is the collective truth programmed from the like um from the individual imprints that people have stored in their bodies right like kind of like hey was an apple an apple like right because we've all like have this collective imprint so the so then thinking about your spectrum of creativity and how and like entomology then is on the um like more analytical side for you is that you're saying yeah i i mean i'm just obsessed with it i just love seeing how words got created what was the journey how it evolved and in a way it's it's such a good metaphor for how we evolve as well and so much i'm into that story can you tell that because like you studied it you learned it how did words happen (laughs) oh my god yes (laughs) i am no expert but Personally, I studied Germanic etymology. So I was looking at how like German or Germanic words evolved and what they look like in Austrian German, in German German, and also in the Scandinavian languages, for example. But um, like I had a major breakthrough moment when I was studying linguistics. And I love because, Lauren, you already spoke about it. And it really is that every word creates a feeling within us. And we might think that this word is neutral. It doesn't really mean anything. It's neither good or bad. But the truth is we might have an emotional code with it. And that is something I, I find is super powerful, something we, we've we got to learn about more. And, um, and I was really worried about... Um, studying linguistics because it was very difficult it was quite complex and very often i would go to classes already feeling a little nervous like will i be able to keep up with all the students and my teacher and one day um so i come from the czech republic and i studied at prague and this university has the most incredible view of the prague castle and bridge bridges uh, across the river and i remember just looking out of the window and this teacher started talking about this topic she started talking about how words are connected to sensations inside our bodies and that really caught my attention because up until then it felt all a little too boring and not exciting enough and she gave us this sheet of paper and it had a list of words on it and she asked us to read every single word and write down the first three associations we have with this word. And we all did that. And I was really into it. I'm like, that's so interesting. There are things such as um, the color black, the color green, yellow, white. Um, (laughs) You know, there was things such as money, being a student. And it just really made me think. And I realized, well, I do have associations with every word even though I thought that they are neutral they don't really mean anything else and then we started saying it out loud and there was a theme like the color white most girls wrote down a wedding dress of course innocent you know so those kind of things but then there were also differences let's say being a student I wrote down library books And someone else said, being broke. 
right? So you can tell how different that is. And yes, I'm just going to stop here because I'm sure both of you have something else to say, but this was really the moment for me when I Mm -hmm. realized that this is actually a very juicy topic and something I want to explore a lot more. Mm -hmm. I know I was taught entomology from an NLP perspective, from neuro-linguistic programming. Um, And so we were taught it specifically we were being taught how to listen to the way people speak and listening to the language patterns people use um, and how those language patterns communicate what beliefs they're holding about themselves. And so we were taught a little bit about etymology and kind of thinking about where words come from. And so I'm curious um, with both of you, kind of what your perspective is on how, like, on on a surface level, my initial imp- impression would be that like I have created my meanings for the words I have experienced on my own. And in many ways, I that has happened in a large portion of my vocabulary because I grew up uh, reading and like a huge super nerd in a family of people who were like not, my parents were not. And so a lot of my like words and word associations came from books and that kind of thing. And so, however that I'm there must also be a component it has to exist somewhere where the meanings of words or that emotional association that we have to different words is inherited um and like I know Shauna you've talked in the past about like where the meanings of words come from and like the different components when you break words down into their pieces that kind of thing um like the different pieces have historical meanings that lead into it and so I'm curious where the nexus is with words of like Whereas the blood ancestry and like your actual literal ancestors playing in to what the emotional connection is on a word versus where is the like historical context of that word has been used in, for example, like um, in the UK, someone might, I've heard people here refer to cigarettes as fags, but yeah, like in North America, that is like 100% no, that word is not okay at all because it refer in a different context, it refers to a different thing. And so I'm curious where that nexus would lie. I thought it was really cool hearing where you guys both uh, have your foundation, where you jump off from in terms of like analyzing words and how they play into humanity and reality. For me, it I start with sound. It's it is just vibration. It there's no meaning behind it yet, and I think that perspective comes from my yoga teacher training, where we learned about mantras and we learned about Sanskrit and sound and how. To keep it simple, uh, you might be talking about Ganesh and those are like two syllables that come together to make a word that represents an unfathomable concept. And that goes, but when you start, you have the seed mantra, the seed sound, and for Ganesh, it would be gum. And... It, the way that I see it is, is it's as if everything that this elephant figure represents, um, so for example, removing obstacles, all of that representation is contained in that one seed sound gum. And we rip that apart 
and add different sounds to it to add different nuances to explain this giant concept. Um, so I go all the way back to vibration, that there's a vibration in these sounds that we put together that we call words that we've attached meaning to that then affect us on a personal level. So when, um, Lauren, when you ask ancestry wise, like how many generations back, back to when we didn't actually have words and we were just making sounds or back to when words had meaning. I was thinking when words had meaning. So that's interesting to me. I don't know if y'all want to jump off this sound vibration point. Uh, No, I like it. Cool. I was uh, Googling terrific yesterday because um, when I'm snorkeling, there are things that are fucking terrifying And then I just keep doing it and then they become less terrifying. And yesterday actually was one of those moments um, because in my first couple of snorkels, I ended up having like 50, 60, 70 black fish with indigo blue edges just attack my view. And I didn't know where they came from and I didn't know what they were going to do. And it was terrifying. It was so scary. Like I had to, I had, I had almost a panic attack. I couldn't breathe. I had to really slow down my breath. Um, and I kind of just watched them from afar and then went back in, um, in, uh, out, went back out, out of the water, into the land. And that would have been, I don't know, maybe a month or two ago. I don't know what time is here. And yesterday I saw that same school of fish, except this time I, swam down to go be with them. And I was like, oh, this is a very different experience. And it came from terror. It came from terrify. But now it's terrific. How did we, where in evolution did the word terrify relate to fear and then change into terrific, meaning excitement? And this ultimately is the beauty of analyzing words for me because there's God in all of it. And I think that the transition between terror and terrific is when you first have God revealed to you, it is fucking terrifying. But the more you practice and the more of a relationship you build with God, it becomes more of a terrific experience that was birthed from terror. Um, So I don't know. I had fun with that. I don't know where that changed. I wonder if that is um, a uh, uh, humanity evolution thing where we became less afraid of the God figure and more embracing towards it as a collective. Um, I don't know. I love what you said <laughs> because it's actually something I looked into myself because English is not my first language. And when English is ridiculous. I am learning words and I'm like, how did this happen? <laughs> how did this <laughs> word become this? And I feel sometimes it's easier for people who are learning the language because native speakers, they might not think about it as much because it's like, well, it's always been this way. But for me, I'm always like looking up different words and I'm like, there's been an evolution here. (laughs) How did it happen? Like I can see it between words. So thank you for sharing that story. (laughs) (laughs) 
I, I love them. Love, love words. I'm learning Spanish. And that means I also help teach people English. And they ask me questions that I wouldn't just normally think about. And like yeah. it, English is so pliable. I mean, I feel like English is the pinnacle of creativity when it comes to language, because we can just use what we have in so many different ways to create a new idea, even though it's still the same words. We just kind of switch them up a little bit. We maybe push two together to make it sound like one. And there kind of is no rules, except when you have someone who's trying to learn English asking about rules. Well, then there are rules, kind of. And I can't explain it. I had someone say to me a few days ago, um, awesome, awesome is slang. I'm like, no, it's not. And he goes, yeah, yeah, it is. And like, he thinks he knows. And I was like, okay, well, I'm going to Google that. Um, and it's not, I'm like, it came from like the 16th century. He's like, oh, okay. But, and then we didn't talk about it anymore. But I wondered if he is, is getting a modern day definition of awesome. And it includes the representation of slang. Whereas when it was created, whatever you call it, in the 1500s, it actually meant something else which then gets me thinking awful and awesome. Like if you want something that contains awe, wouldn't you want it to be full of awe rather than some of awe? So I don't even know how the word makes sense. And I, I guess maybe that's why we stopped talking about it because what? what? <laughs> I don't know. And context too. He, he's a what, what's the difference between but and but? And I said a T. And he goes, well, how do you say it differently? I'm like, you don't say it differently. He goes, well, how do you know which one you're talking about? And I said, context. And I, I don't know. I wonder if that's a, a part of that conversation about words and the evolution of them. Well, I think it's such a gift in that because the words represent a vibration, like you were saying, yes, like the gum and the Ganesh and all that kind of thing. And it's really cool. Um, this is a, no, I, oh fuck, I've already gone on the tangent. Um, I was going to say a quick tangent. The, there's a book that I read when I was a kid. It's called Aragon. Um, and the, the series is called The Inheritance Cycle. And in it, the way they perform magic is you use the elvish language. And when you say the word of something in the elvish language, the elvish language has actually identified the truest name of whatever the substance or item or person is. And if you, know the true name which is in done in the elvish language you can control and manipulate and do whatever you want to that uh, thing and so for instance when you know the word for fire you can put fire anywhere you can whatever that kind of thing um and one of the characters accidentally stumbles upon one a different character's true name by accident because he was just kind of like swearing under his breath at the guy and said it in elvish and the guy just like like came to attention like he just like knew and so it's really cool and you take that concept of like the vibration and the and the truest vibration of the word and not the because i this got me thinking about like multiple languages how we have like english and german and russian and like all the different languages right and so if you're if each of those is kind of a bastardization of some original vibration meaning of something, then that power is reduced by however many versions of it there are. 
if we're looking at it as a zero sum game, which I don't tend to like to do. So I'll there, I hope there's a better perspective on that out there, but it's just fascinating. That idea has always stuck with me of like, when you know the true vibrate, true name, which I would say is the true vibration of something, then you're able to, to master it essentially. But, um, oh, I have a really good point that I distracted myself from. Okay. Go I ahead, think if we are, um, if I heard this correctly, you said like the more languages get created from a core sound, it kind of bastardizes it. Well, what if it reinforces it? Ooh, speak more. Well, I mean, there's so many words in Spanish that are the same in English, that are the same in French, that are similar to Italian, that probably have reaches in Czech and uh, like it. It's all connected somehow. And Mm -hmm. it's like saying, you know, well, we made 8 billion of us. We bastardized humanity. Or did we reinforce it? I would say we definitely reinforced it. Um, And it takes me back to this one time that I uh, was in the psych ward. And I had all these really cool um, downloads coming to me. And I kept finding a similarity between Christ and Krishna, just those two sounds. And then I found a similarity between hallelujah and Hare Krishna. And if you say the same, if you say them both over and over again, they kind of start to sound the same. And I mean, I didn't know either one of those dudes personally, but I can imagine that maybe it was kind of the same person saying the same thing. And then people who, spoke different languages, started telling the story in their own language, and and then we separated. But then isn't that the process of defining, refining, and then redefining? And so for me, I feel like if we only had one version of that Hare Krishna sound, then a whole chunk of the planet would have missed out on what that vibration has to offer by ways of hallelujah. So I don't know. There's a thought. Cool. Well, I'm no expert. I just got out of the psych ward. <laughs> I'm glad you said it. Like I always wondered about those kind of things because you, you definitely feel and hear and see similarities. And I always had those thoughts like, what if it's like the same thing and it was slightly changed and it shifted and it was also perhaps more fitting for a different culture, maybe just a thought. So yeah, such a cool observation. It would be boring with just English, just English. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much and fun you can have like, with it. Like I uh, said earlier on, like my, um, you know, I studied in German language at university. So most of the subjects I was studying were in German. And German is just such a structured language. There is <laughs> rules. Like I was always so, like I always wanted to know rules for things in English because I was so used to having rules for how you pronounce things, how you put things together, how you create a new word. You know, there is perhaps... um I guess, almost like a blueprint of how you would do those things in German. And while there are some rules for, let's say, English pronunciation, there are so many exceptions. 
that you would say maybe it's not really a rule. There is a lot of words that would be pronounced in such a way. There is also loads of words that will be pronounced in a whole different way. And I, I find it so interesting. And I wonder whether it's also connected to the culture, whether perhaps German people are structured in certain ways. When you visit their cities, when you visit their country, there is a system for things. And I do love it about them very much so. And then in Czech, it's also slightly different because that's my mother tongue. But sometimes I find it easier to observe those things in in foreign to me languages such as English or German and then last summer I was visiting Italy for a couple of weeks and I was just shocked at how many words I can just understand just because I obviously see let's say this the word has the same root as it would in English or yeah. German or in Czech and I can just put things together Isn't and that's so cool I'm, like, yeah. that's, that's like a superpower. I think that that's a superpower. Yes. Keep going. The, <laughs> I've noticed that too, sometimes like I speak a little bit of French. And so sometimes the, there is no, there, there, the English word doesn't, you can't source the English word fast enough to describe what the thing is. And it's like, please just know this French word because the French word, this is the word that describes what I'm feeling or talking about or that kind of thing. Um, and yeah, the, so German has been a language that I have never really fucked with a whole lot um, until I had a friend a few years ago who learned German in school the way that I had learned French in school and that kind of thing. And so she started showing me German things. And I'm like, oh, that is so much closer to English than I would have ever guessed. Because like French and English are not, I mean, they're they're different. They're definitely different. But like there's a lot of Fringlish that you can pass by on and uh, in Canada, at least. And, um, but German, I was shocked at how parallel German was to English in that way. Yeah. And one thing I find fascinating about English at, well, I guess everywhere, but especially in England, you can notice it is how certain words have come from French. And when I ask English people about it, sometimes they are not familiar with it. They they actually don't think it's a French word. Like but for me, as the for <laughs> sorry, like deja vu. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But even like words such as chauffeur, yeah. right? Like not everyone realizes it's actually originally a French word. Sure. And then when you've got when you've got things such as continue and carry on. Like their meaning is similar, the same in some way. It could be a synonym. And one of them comes from French and words such as carry on is a phrasal verb. And those were, as they say, according to history, were created by more like English common people in England um, during like medieval ages, while the upper classes were learning French, so they would say continue. And this, I just, I just find all of those things so interesting. Mm -hmm. And, and then like a whole different topic, one I find so interesting when it comes to language is like the emotional codes we have with words and how one word can actually bring up a lot of emotions for us without us even understanding it fully while for someone else it doesn't mean anything so i'm just i'm just curious to hear your thoughts on this because i know you mentioned nlp neurolinguistic programming which i also studied it's something you've got to 
study when when you want to become a clinical hypnotherapist and it's one of the first things you learn as a hypnotherapist like you've got to use the right language you've got to be really aware of how your client speaks how they describe their painful memory because if you describe it in a whole different way if you use your own languaging and words they might not actually resonate they might not have such a result from a hypnosis session with you and it's not really just about copying their language but it's really about seeing beyond the words they say and be able to bring that into that hypnosis experience so they feel seen, witnessed, heard, and they feel like they've changed within that session. And I wasn't really sure what to call it. And that's why I started calling it an emotional coding. Like we have an emotional code with a certain word and it gets triggered. And sometimes it could be a really positive thing, while other times it can feel like, wow, it actually feels overwhelming. And such an example could be the word family. You know, a a word we use all the time. For someone, that word could be very triggering. For another person, it could be like, oh my gosh, like, yeah, I get so excited just by thinking about my family. Or maybe I see my family um, or I see my friends and people around me as family. Can you see, like, there is just so many levels to all of that. And it really is the energy behind it, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's in NLP, one of the exercises that we learned was a, was a drop through. And so you literally take a word. Um, a word is often the unit that you want, as opposed to like a memory or a belief or that kind of thing. It's literally a word and you transform it. You literally drop through, you literally take them through an exercise to change the shape and texture and storage location and sensation and experience of that word into something different at the end and you literally remap that word and the neurological connections to it and so the it's a really fun exercise to do because the way people's whole physiology changes and you like watch them go through that transformation is brilliant because it takes like five minutes to do this and um you can just see the it like melt out of them as they're as it's happening because usually you you don't pick a word that's like really fun and great and like let's change that around usually pick a word that has a lot some density to it um to change but i know shana you have a different method of reorganizing those that storage location eh mm-hmm. i'm I, it's it's interesting to hear you guys talk about these methods that have names because I didn't learn them at, as a method. It was just something, I guess if I could say I learned it from anywhere, it would have been Abraham Hicks talking about the language that you use. And so just changing it myself and watching my experiences change as I changed the words gave me all the information that you guys um, just came up with. But I keep thinking about the there's a downstairs of my airbnb there's a little convenience store and there's a lovely spanish couple that works there and the wife doesn't speak english very well she understands a little bit and the husband he's pretty good and i i mean i don't even know how these conversations start but we're talking about the matrix in life and stuff like that 
and he will say that his English is not very good. Yet we're talking about concepts that are interdimensional and time travel-y stuff. And so, I mean, I the fact that we can communicate about that doesn't matter how good your English is at the end of the day, because in terms of using words with meaning, that's how we're communicating. I know that he only knows enough English to like convey basic topics, but I can help him say what he say what's in his head. It's like I can feel the energy of what he's trying to express and I'll throw out different English words and he'll be like, oh yeah, that's the one. Or I'll have to describe an English word that I just used. And then he puts it through his Spanish translator and then he gets a concept. And now we're communicating about concepts, not just words. And there was a moment where we were talking about how he was like the words, right? Simple words. He's blocked in money. He feels stuck around money. And he told me some of the basic situations and I just heard the words that he's using. And this is what makes it so cool about communicating with someone who doesn't have English as their first language, because the words that they're using carry a lot of meaning because they don't have a lot of other words. And so number one, it forces me to really simplify what I'm trying to say. It forces me to slow down in speaking and it forces me to listen more to what they're saying. And he kept saying, I'm waiting for this to come through. I'm waiting for this to come through. And I was like, I can work with this. Like, I know he's not speaking English in his head, but I can work with what he's speaking right now. And so I just said, change the concept of waiting. Like when you keep saying waiting, what you're reinforcing is that this money is not coming, that you are living in the space of waiting for the money to come. And then he put that through his Spanish speaker in his brain and it made sense to him. And just like you were saying, Lauren, you can watch the transformation. I watched it happen. And he said at the end of it, like, I really don't even feel stuck anymore. Messages me the next morning. And he's like, the bank offered me a loan. I didn't even ask for it. And somebody wants to buy the property that I was waiting to be sold. And so as soon as he just shifted something mentally, everything around him shifted and it was around language. However, that's not the language that his mind and his imagination operates in. He speaks a different language there. But when you're talking about a universal concept, it kind of doesn't matter what exactly the words you're using are, as long as you can convey the messages. And I just, I want to had one more thing in here because Lauren, we always come back to colonialism and you had talked about it, Sipanka with the um, continue versus carry on. And I have so many English as second language. People say to me, my English isn't good. And I'm like, but we're talking, we're communicating, we're, we're talking about things that most people can't talk about. So what do you mean your English isn't very good? And then I go on to say that it probably has a lot to do with the colonialism and the way that, English speakers were taking over the world and it has become or did become a way of distinguishing you by class. How good was your English? And so now that 
the majority of English speakers do not speak proper English, what does that mean anymore? I feel like there's a lot of powers that be that are trying to hold on to the power of proper English and they hold it over anyone's heads. Doesn't matter where you were born. You could be like from Louisiana. That's not proper English, but that's English. And everyone here that speaks English is not speaking proper English, but it's English. And Stepanka, you're not speaking proper English, but we're all communicating in this language and understanding each other on levels beyond words. So, so there. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I'm just gonna jump in with something because (laughs) Lauren knows I have just written from the Czech Republic. So me and my partner, we spent the past eight days uh, visiting my family in the Czech Republic. And there is something that's been happening with my partner and my family for years, like since we got together. So for the past almost seven years now, and I am so curious to hear what you two think about it. So my parents don't speak English very much. Like my my dad, probably he can understand a lot more because he traveled for his work in the past. So I feel like he actually understands a lot more than he says he does. <laughs> probably, probably eavesdropping all the time. Who knows? <laughs> but um, my mom, she's very shy. Like she wouldn't really say anything, even if I, you know, I knew she's like trying to learn more English words so she can communicate with my partner um, who like really struggles with Czech. He doesn't really know anything. And every time I'm out and about with my parents and my partner, there is this thing that happens over and over again. Let's say we're walking somewhere and my mom will say to me in Czech, wow, notice this cafe, look at this funny sign that's above the shop front. Like one minute later, my partner will be like in English, oh my God, look at this, look at this sign, how funny is this? Then uh, the other day we were traveling to Vienna, we took my partner on a day trip to Austria and um, we had to take a lift from one of the car parks. And there was a sign, this lift is for eight people. And it was tiny. It was like four of us like squashed inside this lift. And my mom says, I can't imagine how eight people would fit into this lift. The next minute my partner goes, I can't imagine how eight people would fit in this lift. And he says it in English. He says it in Czech. They don't understand each other at all. And it happens over and over again. Like, I laugh all the time because they, it's like they say the same things within, you know, a few minutes without actually understanding or pointing towards something. It's not like my mom went and pointed towards the number eight that she saw on the left or anything. It happens so naturally. And I mentioned it to a friend of mine who is Spanish and her mom speaks only Spanish. Her partner is English. And she said, oh, my God. That happens in my family all the time. It's like, I don't get it. How do they understand each other? They're not even trying to understand each other. They are just observing something, commenting on something, or they have the same idea. And that happens all of the times. And it really makes me think like there's more, there's more to it. Like it's Okay, I totally a have a theory. Yeah, I totally have a theory. And this is the thing that I forgot beforehand. Shauna (laughs) talking just reminded me of it. And it it now applies even 9 million times more than I thought it would. So 
I, one of, what I was thinking before was that it's amazing how, like, I'm thinking specifically of English, but like in English, you could say one sentence and it could have 16 different meanings. And depending on your intonation and depending on the context and depending on what's going on, you could be super offensive. You could be super celebratory. Like you, if somebody might understand you, somebody might not understand you, right? Like it would, there's so many different ways for that. And so the words kind of act, they're a signpost to a path saying we can go down this path, but the post really might have 16 different signs on it. And you can take whatever of these paths at this next point that you can go from, but beyond underneath all of the words and underneath all these signposts and underneath all the paths and underneath all of this stuff that, you know, language hints at, there is something underneath that, that is, I want to call it the truth. Um, but I think it might be more accurate to call it the vibrational experience of what you're having. The thing that your cells and your soul and the inner part of you that has no language understands. So for instance, um, to use NLP terms, cause you know a little bit about NLP, you know, the world exists around us. Light sends a signal into our eyeballs and then our eyeballs register, oh, signal there. This is what's going on. And then your brain renders a picture based on what your cells have received. And that, that, and there's a different transformation that happens in your brain after that to send it back out through speech or through whatever. And that part that's doing the the understanding between the sensory input and the sensory output and that kind of thing, I think that is connected to, I want to call it the imaginal realm, to the this part of our experience that only exists in vibration. The thing that we use language to hint at, to point to, to get towards, to get closer to, but that you really only ever experience in vibration. And so when we take that like very esoteric theory and put it into the context of like your Czech mom and your English partner looking at the same sign, the, that sign, you know, was created with the intent of, of pointing us to, uh, the cafe. We'll say it's meant to get your attention. It's meant to draw you into the cafe. And so beyond whatever colors like they would have used specific colors they would have used specific words they would have used specific images the shape would have had a specific sign to convey hey pay attention and go into this cafe and that goes beyond language and i think more than just a sign because a sign that's branding and advertising and that is a very intentional thing to communicate something without words but even just like so when we think about the conversation that we're having here, our words and the sentences and things that we're saying are com- kind of communicating one thing and then but they're com- trying to communicate what's going on in our viscera, in this like visceral vibrational experience. And the when you come into like a mastery of language, you can communicate a mastery of language and storytelling. You can hit on that vibration and communicate the vibration purely and that is i think art and that comes back to creativity right like that comes back to being able to explore and know and and i suppose quantify that vibrational experience through the form of language whatever language you're using and so i think like that 
makes perfect and total and complete sense to me that these people across different languages who have no understanding of each other would have the same experience because internally, vibrationally, they're having the same experience, right? That's why your Czech mom and your, and your English partner can love you so much. They're having the same experience of the person and your whole totality that you are. And that doesn't need language, um, because we're all vibrating. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing your theory. Can, can I can I go now? I have a theory. I have a couple mm-hmm. of them. They're fun. Um, <laughs> it, directly related to Lauren, what you just said. Um, I think that over time, uh, say this this sign. Let's talk about the copy sign. Um, if it's funny, if you find it funny, and your partner did, and your mom did, probably not the only ones. So there has been that's funny attention shot towards that physical object over and over and over and over again. So as a vibrational thought form, that's funny is just hovering over this sign and thought forms exists and we connect with them and then experience them. And sometimes we experience them through expressing words or having feelings or drawing creativity, blah, blah, blah. Um, and so it's as if your partner and your mother both connected with that thought form and translated it in the languages that they speak that just exists. It's the way it is. Um, another part of that I think is that this Stepanka is your video game. If we're going by that theory, your mother and your partner are just aspects of yourself. They don't even exist uh, for you outside of you. Um, So they are like, it's as if you're the, you're the bridge between the two of them. And you're like the magnet for the thought forms that they're sharing. One's expressing it in English and one's expressing it in Czech. And it's, it's all just, you. These people are so close to you. They love you so much. They're so in sync with each other because you're so in sync with them in your life. And and I see it as a representation of the harmony that you've chosen for yourself, that these two completely unrelated people are having the same experience because they're connected to you. It's all just aligned as is. Those are my ideas. I really resonate with that. And with like energetic thought forms, that is something like I really do believe in. I'm so I was thinking too, when you're talking about those energetic thought forms, that kind of goes back to my question of creating truth and creating good group meanings behind language and that kind of thing. Right. Because all truth is, is that enough people have agreed on the same thing that we accept that as the principal thing. Um, if you shift what people agree on, then like that becomes what is socially accepted as truth. Um, and well, so, but, but the, so there's different levels of truth though. There's a socially accepted level of truth yes. and then there's what truth is. So. Yes. So I'm not, I'm not talking about the like known inside level of truth. I'm talking about what would be written in a textbook as truth and that kind of thing. The, um, fact. Yes. Sure. Fact. Absolutely. And so the, (laughs) that, 
yes, 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 yes. That's the level that I'm speaking of. And so thinking of the fact and those thought forms, like those thought forms create fact, those thought forms create words, those thought forms create um, the thing. And I think that goes back um, to something like the egregore and to something like the once enough people have put their attention on it. I think I'm just repeating what you said. I agree with you. And I think that that is what <laughs> creates facts. I think it's I think it's both. I think it's a play between both. It might have been oh the guy I married. I think he asked me about astrology. Were the concepts of say the signs did they exist and then were they translated by other people or were they created and then adopted by other people? And I said honestly, I don't know and at this point I don't think it matters because as a collective over thousands of years, we have all agreed that these symbols create, contain these meanings. doesn't matter where it started. This is the path we're on now. And we all have our own different versions of this truth, but it revolves around this being the truth. However it happened at this point is irrelevant. And so I think it, it was at the end of the day, a, a play between both. It, it, is there and we bring it and then we change it and we put it back there and then someone else picks it and changes it. And mm. it's that constant terrifying to terrific. Sepanga, what has been your experience with the the thought forms that you're talking about? Mm. I, I feel like in, in some ways we are tapping into them. And I really resonated with what Shona said about, like, there's always, like, energy hovering around certain cafe signs, <laughs> if you like, <laughs> and, 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 every, and everything else in between. And there is also the idea of actually all of this being something I am creating in yeah. many ways. And it really is a thought I was playing with a lot last night because... As you, as you know, I was traveling and it wasn't an easy journey. My flight got delayed like three times. And then finally, when we took off mid-flight, they told us we will land at a different airport. <laughs> Technically in a different country, not in England, but in Wales. And um, and we were just so exhausted. We knew we will be traveling all night. We will get home, you know, for like 7.30 in the morning and... I was just observing the world around me. Some people were sat at the airport and were like, you know, so annoyed, so angry, really struggling with these updates and changes. And and then I, I saw a group of younger girls and they were having the time of their life. They were laughing and giggling. You know, the flight was delayed at this point, like three and a half hours. And they were just making the most out of it and i could really see like they're just enjoying themselves because they are together maybe they are on a girl's trip you know i'm creating my own story about what they are up to i might be completely wrong but um they're just having a really great time then i saw a couple and they kept like you know cuddling each other and i'm like maybe they're just making the most out of this delay because that means they will spend more time together and then i just reminded myself like how am I choosing to experience it? Like, what what's the energy I'm going to create? Am I going to be really pissed off? Am I going to be annoyed and angry at the cabin crew? Or or am I actually 
like feel good? Like, can I choose to feel magical and incredible, even though like all those delays and inconveniences are happening? And then when they announced the mid-flight that we will land at a different airport and they don't know what will happen next, you know, at like two in the morning, again, I had that choice again. And I'm like, okay, what energy am I tapping in? And I sometimes imagine it is like like an, like an a bubble of energy somewhere floating and I'm just tapping okay, into okay. it. So is that creativity? Is that where creativity lives? Because it feels like in this moment where you are in observation, right? Like, because when you're painting, you're not necessarily observing. You stand back and then you're observing. So in this moment of observation, you're presented with these different mediums, these different thought forms to choose from. You can look at the people having an awful time or you can look at the people having a good time. How do you know that? Because of the energy that they're emitting. It's a feeling. And so now you're focusing on these girls having a blast and you're creating stories in your head that are a blast. And it doesn't matter if they're true or not because you're starting to create emotion around this and you're starting to create momentum in the form of having a good time. And then you decide what, now I know the tools that are in front of me, what am I going to use for my own experience? And then you continue on that route of, I want to have a good time. I'm going to look at the couple cuddling. This is going to be great. You just, you just be there. Is that the moment of like creativity presenting itself and then choosing it? Cause you could look at the couple and be like, yeah, well, they probably have no misery in their life. So they don't understand how miserable I am. Like there's so many different ways you can interact with that, except you chose to accept this kind of creativity, the kind that made you feel X, Y, Z, and then went with it. Like, is that what it looks like when it happens? Mm-hmm. That's a question. Somebody yeah. tell me the answer. <laughs> I would say, I think that fits with how Stefanka was talking about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, I feel like creativity. What's, what is the verb here? Create. So I feel like in some way I was creatively creating my own experience. (laughs) And it really feels like there is energies, there is emotions. And I was more like, okay, I'm choosing to tap into this one. That's, that's what I'm choosing here for myself. Okay. Fuck me. That's so potent because I was, I was thinking like, well, I always view creativity as an output, but then when you said, what's the verb here, it's create. And it's like, well, of course you create your own reality. You create your own experience. And so in that sense, there is no like output. There is no finish line in that, like in the sense of like you create a painting or you like create a song of music, that kind of thing. Right. And so like the, that create you know what is the verb in that the creativity the experience like it literally is your experience your creativity literally is your mindset oh that just like that just hits the spot because for me at least because i know um a a while ago like i want to say a year ago or something like that i was presenting at the art gallery in my hometown we were doing a talk um it was for International Women's Day. There was a bunch of women artists who were talking about their experiences, women artists, and every all, everybody who talked, 
um, said that they kind of came to a point in their life where like living became art. And that was they, you know, there was always a question of like, am I really considered an artist? Am I good enough to be considered an artist? Or like, you know, that was always in play. And then until that realization that like just living is art. And I agreed with it at the time. And I, I think that it's true. However, that really just clicked into place for me of like, you're creating your viewpoint. You're creating your experience of the world is the fucking magic and is the creative act. <laughs> It was, for me, it was finding yes. art in ordinary things that as a teenager mm-hmm. made me not want to kill myself anymore. Mm. I re- Is it? Wow. I remember being so depressed. I had a boyfriend that was on and off, but, you know, he was saving me from my tumultuous relationship with my mother. Um, and during one breakup, I remember thinking, well, I like what Cosmo girl y'all remember Cosmo girl the magazine maybe not there was a mm-hmm. an art piece in there mm-hmm. that said happiness is a destin is the say it say it the destination it's not the destination happiness is the journey not the destination that said it's that. the journey not the destination yeah. and i was in world religions learning about like choosing your experiences and God and all of that stuff. And so I had come to this conclusion that I have to choose happiness. And so when we had this breakup, I thought, how can I look at this differently? And what I remember, like I, it sticks in my head is now you have more time to paint because I used to just paint all the time. And so I had decided that whenever I was going to feel sad about something, I would just go paint. Because this means that now I have time to paint. And I think it was from there that I realized I had to, <clears throat> I had to choose to look at everything beautiful if I wanted to have a beautiful life. Because otherwise I was going to kill myself. So it was sort of a challenge to myself and to life to present its most beautiful faces to me. Because otherwise I'm not going to play anymore. And it was seeing the job I had to get because I was on my own at 17 of making pizza as an art. You can't just throw all the toppings on there. There's a way to do it. And working with that fucking dough, you can't do it the first time. And so I realized that when I could work with that dough, that I had mastered the art of pizza making. I am an artist of pizza making. And so it made me want to look at everything as an art. And it was like a video game that if I can find the art in this, then I move on to the next level. And I started to see every simple thing as creativity. And I guess eventually it came into that is what life is. If there is a creator that created the things, then all of the things are creation, including myself. And that's how it keeps going is just creativity like gravity whether you believe it or not it's there it's still doing its thing we don't have to make it do it or not we have nothing to do with it so i think it is it's a thing that's always existing and in your output method um lauren like you can you can pull from it and output it into your experience but it's still there it's still functioning whether you're paying attention or not and i i don't know guess chose to pay attention to interact creatively Mm -hmm. 
How does that resonate with you, Stepanka? I thank you so much for sharing that. And I, 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 I could resonate with many, many aspects of your own story. And I, I had like, it's so funny. I had this realization with pasta. Not pasta. <laughs> yes. I knew there's going to be something about yes. Italian food. Um, but I remember like my parents trusted me enough to leave me at home for the weekend. So my parents always had this summer house and it was in a forest. And, you know, it's amazing. Now as an adult, I can appreciate it. But as a teenager... He wants to hang out with their friends on a weekend. I didn't want to be stuck somewhere in the middle of nowhere with my parents at the weekend. So finally, I managed to, <laughs> to stay at home by myself. And I was like, what do I do? Like, you know, I've got this house to myself. And I'm like, I'm going to cook pasta. And I was so influenced by Cosmo Girl and Cosmopolitan yeah. and all these kind of magazines. And and I'm like, I'm going to create like a sensual meal for myself. And so I cooked my spaghetti and I, then I cooked my tomatoes and I was just like putting it all together. And I'm like, this is beauty. This is art. And it's so funny looking back because I was so young. Yeah. I was just like, there is luxury and beauty in everything. And I feel like as yes. children, we, we all saw it. I was given like my first ever camera when I was pretty young. It was like, it had like Smarties all over it. So it wasn't a good quality camera. And I think you could get like five pictures out of it, you know. And I went out and I took a picture of daisies and then of green grass and then of a cloud in the sky. And I was just like, wow, this is art. This is so beautiful. And then a friend of mine from school came home and she's like, what's this rubbish? And I'm like, no, that's my art. Like I see the beauty in it. And then of course, as a teenager later, I I wasn't in touch with all of that. But I feel like, you know, as, as a child, I definitely saw that beauty and, and art that's in everything in life. I think creativity is the closest thing to God. And I think kids are the closest thing to God. And the way that they find and express their creativity is divine. And I think uh, advice for ourselves or anybody else listening to this, if uh, finding that creative bubble is a challenge, just remember what you did as a kid or what you wanted to do as a kid. Because that's, that's the gold. I think that's the freedom. I would look at the kids I nannied for when my little Lucy would take my camera and take pictures. What's a six-year-old taking pictures of? Like shadows and flowers and grass and her friends. And like, this is what she finds beauty in. And shadows. So, yeah. I loved, I loved how you brought that specific image into my head because it's a good reminder for me as well. And thank you, mm-hmm. both of you. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm so glad to hear it. It's not just me or I used to record like the, you know, when you had like a, like a, one of those old school 
cassette players and I would record the birds singing outside my window as a little kid. They were like yes. the thunderstorm or like the leaves and falling of a tree. I found all those things so intriguing. Yes, I love that. I used to do a cassette. I used to do a cassette radio show. <laughs> she did. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah my sister. No, with my sister and her friends, we would, there was one microphone that plugged into our dad's old stereo and we'd make a radio show and then like sit by the radio and wait for our favorite songs to play and like hit and like put the songs in between our radio show stuff. It was a ton of fun. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, thank you so much, ladies, for joining me for this conversation. This has been a delight. Yeah. Thank you so much for that, that detour into etymology because that was fucking brilliant. Yeah. Love that. There's a big neon arrow pointing to that one. <laughs> yes. Thank you so much for just like bringing your whole self and just being like, oh yeah, this is just random part of me that I did. And it's like, yes. Love yeah. it so much. Oh my gosh. I had so much fun today. Good. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So grateful. And both of you are just such brilliant, smart women. It's, yeah. Really grateful for you. wasn't that conversation so fucking amazing like that just hit that just hit of like how that creative life force comes through in the way that we communicate and comes through in the way that we experience the world around us and how we understand and experience truth within us and how we communicate that truth without us Ugh. Oh, just love it. Fucking love it. If you would like more of the goodness that you heard in this conversation, you can connect with any of us on here. We would love to hear from you, work from you, uh, work with you. I mean, um, I myself am a coach. I love helping people get into action on their dreams. Um, I love being able to have conversations, whether they're on the podcast in on camera, that kind of thing, or whether they're one-on-one kind of behind the scenes. I love being able to have conversations with people to pull out the love and the beauty and the excitement they have for life. That is, I love getting people juiced up about their dreams and then going out and doing them. Um, uh, Shauna is an advice giver. If you would like to connect with her, you can send her a message on Instagram. Her handle is the Shauna Lee. Um, and she would love to help you rewire and reimagine the things in your brain. Um, whether that is your words, how you think about things, whether that is your memories or something that has been really, really sticking out to you. Um, she would love to help you with that. And last but not least, Topanka does a fabulous job with hypnotherapy and she has a free hypnotherapy available for a free hypnotherapy session available for everybody who is listening. And she also has a one-time consultation at a at a great rate. So um, both of those will be linked in the show notes. If you would like to hear more, work more with Topanka. Um, if you'd like to be on the podcast, feel free to send us a message at Casually Profound. And if you'd like to work with me, you can always just shoot me a message either at Casually Profound or at my Instagram, which is I am Lauren. Also linked in the show notes. I love you. Thank you for having this conversation with us. Thank you for being on with us. And we will see you next week. New conversations come out every Thursday. And I will, I will give you a little teaser here. If you stuck to the end, here's a little teaser. The podcast is going to be going through a big rebrand. Big. 
season one is going to be coming to an end um, in the next one or two episodes, maybe three episodes. Um, and then after that, we're going in, a, we're, we're pivoting, we're going in a new direction. It honestly is a little bit closer to the vision that I had for the podcast from day one. I actually went back into my old like Pinterest vision board that I had for the podcast and the rebrand is like nine million times more aligned than what I have been doing so far. And so I'm just really fucking excited to be aligning more deeply and truly with myself. And so thank you so fucking much for being on this ride so far and listening to all the episodes and listening to all the stories and listening to all the guests and myself and everybody go on about our lives and how we've experienced spiritual concepts in real life. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And I'm so excited um, to make the journey with you into the new and exciting future as well. Um, I hope that you like it and enjoy them as much as I do. I know I'm really excited about it um and so keep your eyes peeled because it's going to be a new look if you don't follow us already on instagram our handle is at casually profound please give a follow over there and you can watch the whole thing unfold before your very eyes so thank you for coming out Uh, so thank you for staying tuned and we'll see you again next week